Chapter 6, Staying in Balance I hope I've helped you better understand the effect of emotions on the way you experience all of life. Perhaps I've initiated a shift or extended a shift you've already begun to living from a more intuitive approach. I want to delve deeper into the energy needed to live emotionally, to explain how it affects our bodies, and to define why living this way is not efficient or sustainable. First, if you look back in history, the evidence of our emotional and unsustainable behaviors is littered throughout. There was a balance in creation when humanity lived in harmony with all other creatures, when humans understood they were no better than any other species, that they would be both consumed and consume. Mutual respect for the needs of all made it possible for all beings to live in balance. Other, earlier cultures, Mayan, Incan, American Indian, lived from their intuition, respecting the order of life, enabling humans and other life forms to live in balance, which benefited both nature and humans. Indigenous cultures today have withstood the test of time because they have not created imbalance on the planet. History has demonstrated how empires or world powers rise and how they fall, how they succeed and how they fail. Every time they conquer, they find a need to conquer more. Eventually, what is conquered has to be sustained by the conquerors. Talk about imbalance. Imbalance in a culture almost always precedes collapse. Empires fall. Then balance is restored, at least for a time. When we live emotionally as individuals or humanity as a whole, we live independently without awareness of the other in a kind of empire of self, which is costly to maintain, not only for ourselves, but for the rest of life as well. Everything is affected by the choices we make based on our emotional fluctuations and the resulting material circumstances that we think we need for life to be okay. Left to our own emotional guidance system, we'll be led to create an unsustainable reality an emotional empire that will eventually collapse again and again and again. As we continue to build an egocentric creation that is even bigger and even better, it is inevitable that what we build will collapse. We blame ourselves for the failure, tell ourselves that we weren't good enough yet, or what we built wasn't good enough, or blame life for the collapse and mutter how unfair life is or how unlucky we are. These are lies we tell ourselves. Yet, what do we do? We start again imagining a different outcome as we rebuild even a bigger and better unsustainable reality that will eventually collapse again. We call ourselves caretakers of the planet, but in truth, we cannot even take care of ourselves in a way that does not destroy the life around us and in us. I would venture to say the reason humanity has a global unsustainable energy issue is because as individuals, we each initially developed an inefficient and unsustainable energy issue within our own lives due to our emotional responses to our environment, each other, and our experiences. We keep thinking we have to respond emotionally, and we do so at any cost to maintain what we think we need. We never take the time to honestly evaluate if all our emotional energy is necessarily sustainable and in the highest good. It wasn't until humanity became consumers, generally speaking, that we began to see ourselves egotistically as better than other life forms and worthy of more of the resources. We looked at nature in terms of, what can it do for us? What can we take? Humanity quickly became emotionally attached to having more, taking more, and being more. We ceased living for the greatest good of all. This kind of relationship with life is, and will continue to be, unsustainable if we continue to believe that we are the most important living creatures on earth. As we look to be more sustainable and efficient as a society, it makes sense that the most important place to begin is in our own lives, individually, 
not only in terms of the car we drive, the house we live in, or whether we recycle, but in terms of every facet of our lives. If our journey is to truly be sustainable throughout eternity, we must start within. How do we begin to live fully? What is the purpose of life, which is the practice? If life is primarily based on meeting our own needs to the exclusion of others' needs, how can life, which intends only good, fulfill its best intentions for us? When we live with a culture of imbalance, life, or nature, will outlast us in any fight we wish to have with it. This is an important truth. Imbalance inevitably occurs because of the following truth. The emotional experience of life is subjective and is governed by emotional reactions that fluctuate based on individual or collective interpretations of life. These reactions are very energy-intensive. Contrast this truth with another. The intuitive experience of life is objective and is based on being with all life from a space of love, acceptance, and peace. It does not require emotional fluctuations. This experience is more aligned with the highest good for all forms of life. It is much less energy-intensive. At some point, enough unconsciousness will transform into consciousness, and intuition will replace emotion, and we will surrender the dream of independence, come to peace, and begin the practice. We will put ourselves into life's classroom and become its student, dedicating our lives to the highest good of all. Only then will we understand that we really didn't need bigger and better. We really didn't benefit from an egocentric creation by being so independent. We finally see that our emotional fluctuations never served us or others. What we need to do, we learn, is completely surrender to life, absent of any self-interest, so that we can live in harmony with all of life. It's that simple. When we live emotionally, which is evident in how we interact as a society on so many levels, we approach life from an unsustainable place. Life will bring us back into balance, as it always has, as it always will. Life eventually ensures that only what is in the highest good will continue. And that which is imbalanced will be transformed either through surrender and peaceful transmutation or through forced destruction and reorganization. Either way, the result will be life moving us back into balance. Please understand, I am coming from a place of peace as I speak about this inevitable process. And there is nothing to fear because no matter which way we transform as individuals or as a society, all will be as it should be. You can reduce any fear you may feel and any suffering you may endure as you go through this transformation by beginning the practice of living life from a place of unconditional love, acceptance, peace, and compassion. Then your thoughts and actions will benefit those around you and extend out for the highest good of all creation. Highs and Lows Figure 1 represents the general axis of life experience. I'll be using this graph to demonstrate high and low fluctuations in energy and their potential physical, emotional, and spiritual outcomes. I'm attempting to use a figure to demonstrate a process, so please remember that there are inherent limitations. For those of you who have a book, this figure is found on page 60. Let's define the zero point on the axis as a space of peace, the place of complete surrender, unconditional love, acceptance, and non-judgment. This is the only space in creation we all share in common. We can get to this place when we live nearly 100% of the time in the practice, living life moment by moment for the highest good of all. Let's define the relative space above the zero point as excessive energy imbalance based on reaction to life experience and the space below the zero point as deficient energetic imbalance based on a reaction to life experience. Again, the general shape of this graph is a sine wave. Excessive imbalance is perceived as positive and attractive, while the deficient imbalance is perceived as negative and repulsive. 
the degree of fluctuation above or below the zero point is based on each individual's subjective perception. Each person's highs and lows will depend on their personal interpretation of the moment. Excessive energetic imbalance would include perceived emotions such as tenseness of fear, the high from caffeine and sugar, the thrill of excitement, or the stress of anxiety, for example. Excessive imbalance can also occur from falling in love, as well as from setting a goal based strongly on time. Examples of deficient energetic imbalance would be depression, fatigue, fibromyalgia, and generally what we think of as sickness. The truth is that the presence of sickness or dis-ease is nothing more than the presence of imbalance that can be triggered through excessive or deficient energy imbalances. Sickness sometimes happens to return the organism to balance. I am sick is merely the subjective label we put on one portion of our experience. As an example, when you are exhausted, you don't want to admit that it might be because you drank too much caffeine or ate too much pastry. We lie to ourselves because we don't want to admit the truth that the low we are experiencing, exhaustion, may have been a result of the high, caffeine. We want the highs, but we don't want the lows. The highs definitely trigger. Yet, imbalance always has to be brought back to balance. We don't want to see that our excitement generated by our thoughts of anticipation has an outcome we call sickness. Excitement is good. If that excitement is too great, the energetic imbalance can lead to sickness or disease in order for balance to be restored. On a physical level, every time you enter into an excessive energetic imbalance, you are stimulating your body, relatively speaking, into a sympathetic dominant state. This engages the limbic system, which is the region of the brain that is affiliated with strong emotion and survival, and you experience a fight-flight response. This fight-flight response is very energy-intensive, and the body gives it top priority over any other situation going on. These states of high or excessive energetic imbalance lead to more wear and tear on the body and our being. The more the fight-flight response is engaged, the less energy and resources the body has available to cope with what it knows is in the highest good. The limbic system, in turn, activates our endocrine system, including the hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid, adrenals, and pancreas, which directly or indirectly affect blood sugar, blood pressure, metabolism, and sex hormone production, to name some of the body functions affected. Is it any wonder that these repetitive energetic states of imbalance affect every system in our bodies? Our system becomes taxed from being overworked and in a state of hyper-function. At some point, they will fail to function or they will become hypofunctional, function at far less than an optimal level. Although I've noted some major body systems, all systems are affected in one way or another by the effects of repetitive energetic imbalance. It's a major reason why dis-ease appears in our physical form. Your form, or body, will eventually manifest to a large degree your life experience and energetic imbalances you have allowed to affect it. Your body will mimic your life. The two are inseparable. Remember, your thoughts affect your body. What you think about, you put your body through. Thinking takes energy. Do you see that your body has already paid the energetic price and the associated physical price of all the stress and anxiety you go through around your expectations of an upcoming event, which sometimes never even happens? Thinking takes energy and affects every system in our bodies. So we have to ask, how much thinking can we really afford when the result of thinking is usually just more thinking, creating imbalance in our systems? I urge you to focus on balance, on living from the zero point, on living without emotional fluctuations. It's also true that if we don't focus on sickness, it will eventually cease to exist to a large extent. We won't need it anymore to balance our system, to teach us. 
Furthermore, we will come to recognize that when sickness or dis-ease comes, it is but a sign that we need to restore the balance in our lives. How can we call something that helps us sickness? How do we avoid that yo-yo of balance and balance? If you are concerned or excited about a new job or a big presentation you are giving at work, don't let yourself get overstimulated or overexcited. When you anticipate and push your thoughts and feelings into the future that hasn't happened, you will experience stress. Whether in your business or personal life, come to every moment and every experience from a state of peace. Relax. Take the emotion out. Do what you're supposed to do in the moment. Trust that everything will go the way it's supposed to go. Allow the divine order to unfold. I want to explain more how these energetic imbalances affect your form or body. Every time there is an upward fluctuation of movement, regardless of the reason, it requires energy. The greater the reaction, the greater the amount of energy required. It requires energy to have a reaction. Consequently, the greater the amount of energy needed to react, the greater the chance you will find yourself in a state of excessive energetic imbalance. Every time there is an imbalance, you have to be rebalanced or brought back to homeostasis, to the zero point. And that takes energy too. The downward fluctuation of deficient energy are intensive in much the same way as a car's brakes while going downhill. Either way, the overall process of living then becomes either generating energy to have a reaction or generating energy to recover from a reaction. For example, if you speed while driving on the highway, you are purposely putting yourself in a situation in which you are going to be anxious and nervous about driving over the speed limit. You put yourself under continual stress in the hope of saving time. But the time you will save is not worth the damage you will do to your body. Or, if you find yourself stuck in traffic, you may become angry or stressed because traffic is not moving fast enough and now you will be late for an appointment. Yet, you have no control over the situation. Why do we allow ourselves to have extreme emotional reactions over situations we can't control? In truth, we have no control over our outer environment at all. We can only control our inner environment. To use another analogy... We can get better mileage by not over-accelerating at the green lights and then riding our brakes at the red lights and doing that over and over again. Remember that all these situations are relative moments of life and there are an infinite number of these moments. Each moment, red light or green light, is an ongoing process in the infinite field that is life. Look again at figure one. The first observation we can make is that we don't usually spend a lot of time at the zero point, the point of peace. There is little or no space for constant peace because you only cross through that zero point in very small increments of time, very brief moments of time, relatively speaking, compared with the time you spend out of balance. So, what this means is that many of us don't live efficiently from a space of the zero point. In peace, instead, we live emotionally, react energetically, time and again, working to recover the highs, dreading the lows, up and down, over and over, Mathematically speaking, there is a very low probability that even one person can experience a zero point of peace very often, let alone that two or more people can experience it together at the same moment, let alone a society, let alone a whole planet. The ultimate questions are, can you afford the energetic bill of being emotional? Can you afford to live, energetically speaking, beyond your means? If you are living beyond your means monetarily, for example, you are living beyond your means in a way I describe above. If you are suffering from some type of disease, it is most likely coming to your life because you have been living beyond your means. To correct the situation, begin living within your means. Lower your fluctuations. Stop spending energy you don't have. Stop having reactions you can't afford. And start surrendering the personal choice to have those emotional highs. Literally, 
Spend more time at peace, conserving your energy for healing and the restoration of balance. Encourage those around you to do the same. This will bring well-being to you and all of life. Why? It's important to understand why we continue to live beyond our means, unable to afford our emotional reactions or fluctuations that produce such energetic imbalance. You can increase your awareness so that you more quickly realize when you are living beyond your means. How do you begin to surrender to peace? The true purpose of the practice is to practice such surrender every moment of your life. So if you find yourself emotionally worked up, you will know that you have forgot to surrender. Energetic imbalance will remind you that you need more practice. As I said, it's a process, and either way, it's all good. Life will give us opportunities to practice. Of that you can all be sure. Life will let you know how you are doing in the practice by its uncanny ability to bring you the very moments you most need to practice. Remember that the upward fluctuations of energy are primarily driven by fear and or expectations. Nothing takes us into a space of boundless preparation and energy expenditure more than something we want, something we're excited to have, or intent on becoming, or something we've become attached to and fear we might lose, especially to death. We can lose all connection with balance and therefore peace when we fear something or expect something. Time and time again, we engage in fear and or expectation. If we get what we want, we then have to fear it will all fall apart. We may have to watch it fall apart again. And if what we fear losing, we lose, then we spiral into emotional devastation and grief. Why? You know the answer. Because we have been under the control of our ego-based emotions, which, trying to prove they are right, that they will get what they want because they know what's best, and they have all the answers. We have been parented, figuratively and literally, to believe this. We have been encouraged to take full responsibility for making our futures happen, to get what we want, to achieve and accomplish our goals. From the time we were little children, we have been praised for doing so. Yet, now, we know that to do so means that we must bankrupt our peace, throw ourselves into imbalance, and do it to ourselves many times. The momentary high we achieve, we lose again and again. Our addiction to feeling up, happy, great, successful, accomplished, intelligent, etc. is unsustainable and we cannot afford it. It leads to an ongoing addictive cycle during which we get ourselves or someone else up and then compete with ourselves or others to stay up. But even if we win and stay high, we lose our balance. Life will come along and rebalance us and we will eventually end up down in a cycle of energetic deficiencies such as depression, discouragement, exhaustion, or disease. It's inevitable. As we hit rock bottom once again, we start wondering, how do we get there? We resolve to do better next time and so begin the cycle again because we know no other way to live. Be careful at this point. Hitting rock bottom and being in that destitute place only makes the addiction to excessive energetic imbalance stronger and all the more alluring. In other words, being down easily triggers us to get into that excessive state again. The allure of the upstate becomes a motivating factor to recover from the down. We so hope that the next time will be different. Undeniably, that is a false hope. The biggest reasons for excessive downward emotional fluctuations, which lead you into energetic deficient states, are attachments and your own inability to detach from your own subjective expectations and perceptions of life and the expectations and perceptions others have of you. For example, you might be attached to caring based on outcomes. Caring, in this sense, makes you think highly of yourself, makes you feel good, makes others admire you. If caring causes downward fluctuations and a lack of energy in you, it is often because you don't accept yourself unconditionally, which prevents you from being at peace. Rather, you keep trying to care. 
you keep trying to hold on, which leads you to deeper and deeper energy deficiency as demonstrated in figure one. Hold on to what? Hold on to your idea of what should be happening or what should have happened, who you should be or who you should have been, what someone else should do or should be or shouldn't be, etc. And your sense of control is subjective judgment arrived at through an emotional evaluation or reaction. You see, we really get attached to our feelings or someone else's feelings about us or about what's happening. If we want to be at peace, we cannot afford these attachments. One of the most obvious signs of this human phenomenon is how we deal with death. We spend immense amounts of time, energy, and resources to keep people alive who are going and sometimes want to die. We tend to think that, emotionally at least, we shouldn't let them go. We cannot let go. As a nation, we spend more resources for end-of-life care, in general, than we do at any other time in a person's life. We are still heavily motivated to avoid or prolong the emotional experience of death and loss. We spend resources when people are ready to leave this life because we are attached to them. They help us stay up. We cannot let go. So, we are not at peace. Our issues with death. This emotional pattern of dealing with this part of life we call death is unsustainable. It is an emotional addiction that we cannot afford financially or, more importantly, energetically. Humanity has come to an emotional attachment to death that I call the new normal. Prolonging life as long as possible for emotional reasons. This new normal around death kicks in when we have prolonged highs or lows around death for extended periods of time. We establish a new normal as a way of coping with being stuck in a prolonged state of excessive or deficient energy around the death of someone we love. I've heard people describe this kind of energetic imbalance like this. It was all I knew. It was normal to me. The state becomes normal because we are unaware that we can let go of control and surrender enough to come to a place of real peace with death. Rather than coming to peace, we maintain the quote normal thoughts and responses and choices, but when we are out of balance, life will rebalance us if we do not let go and surrender and come to true peace. As we develop a higher level of intuitive awareness, we will accept death as a part of every moment of life. If we practice peace in every moment to balance our lives to the best of our ability, we won't need to spend as much to restore balance because our growing consciousness will refuse to allow us to enter that place of energetic imbalance. Then, we will accept death as necessary, natural, and we will allow it to happen without such emotional, financial, and energetic expenditures. At some point, we will embrace death and love it for the resolution and transformation it brings. I even venture to propose that death, that is balanced in this way, is more affordable on a monetary level. Because balanced people are, by nature, okay with dying. They are comfortable with change, which is what death is. So they die more quickly and easily, lowering the associated costs that are usually spent on care to keep them alive. The way out. I hope you can see that this pattern of excessive energetic reactions leads to increased levels of stress. Moreover, they are hard to change. We seem naturally resistant to the very changes that are in our best interest. Resistance, of course, exacerbates our stress and the effects of stress, leading to premature degeneration. Yet, honestly, Premature is not an accurate term in this regard because so-called premature degeneration is very predictable based on the amount of time we spend in energetic imbalance and increased levels of stress, which includes the ups of smoking or drinking, the emotional habits of worry, anger, and frustration, and the spiritual habits of shame, guilt, sin, and distrust. 
Exercise can help reduce the effects of energetic imbalance, as can meditating, getting enough sleep and relaxation, eating a healthy diet high in raw fruits and vegetables, and loving and being loved. You may not live longer, but then again, life is eternal. Yet, these practices will certainly help you achieve the highest quality of life of which you are capable. What is most helpful, though, is to become aware and monitor your emotional reactions and energetic fluctuations. Let go of control and surrender into peace. For me, living a sustainable life is all about balance, which is about allowing the divine order of life to guide me, to live in peace with the order, doing what it asks and taking what it gives. Be an example of balance for those around you. In this way, you will be following your purpose of living life fully for the highest good of all. 